Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Pisgah Podcast. Coming to you live from the front porch of Mountain Crossing Mercantile at the top of 181, we are your hosts. I'm Drew, that's Mangler, and you are listening to Pisgah. As always, I'm a few minutes behind, but you didn't get my text message because there's no cell phone service. Let's get this one going. This week's news and past week updates. The bullet points I have here is uh, we finally got some rain. Yeah, we did. Some areas actually didn't get rain. Some areas got a decent amount of rain. So kind of funny to see. Yeah, not necessarily uh, wet dirt, but hero dirt and lots of humidity. One thing that's cool is that this weekend the World Cup downhill season starts in Leogang, Austria. And we have a good handful of locals and regionals that are repping got uh, Chris Grice and Junior Men, and then, of course, Nico Mullally, Luca Shaw, Dakota Norton. Yeah, so we, we've got some people to, to cheer for. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, because last year we missed out on a bunch of racing, and I think that with the teams being properly cautious, uh, you know, we, we missed a lot of the people that, that could have and maybe should have been at some of those races. Yeah, I'm, I'm also excited to see you know, Chris Grice get on the track. He's had some great runs here lately, especially some of his Winrock runs. Of course, always like to see Nico Shred and Luca repping Hendo, even though he's Pisgah Forest now. But uh, and then you know Dak's not on our side of the mountain, but we're still going to pull for him. Yeah, we got we got regional favorites as well as locals. So and and pretty much anybody that's uh, either. Uh, repping the USA or even just at the front of the race and is somebody you're a fan of. Oh, absolutely. And some big news happened over this past week. The new middle black reroute was quietly open somewhat. And you and I got a chance to go out and have a little out in black taste on it. So let's get down to it. What were your thoughts, Drew? All right. My thoughts are, no, it, it doesn't replace what was there, but I don't hate it. It probably will take a couple years, but I think the typical Pisgah roots and rocks are going to probably start to present themselves again, and it's going to start feeling like home again at that point. And at that point, we're going to have to have that honest conversation with ourselves again about do we have enough people helping to maintain this versus the amount of people that are using it. And, uh, you know, time will tell. Yeah, time will tell. So you and I wrote it on... Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening, and then I wrote it again on Monday afternoon with Tommy Penick. He and I climbed it, then he dropped back down it, and then I continued on to a classic middle black loop just to to climb the new, to send the old, just to just to do that lap, so to speak, like a welcome to farewell lap. So climbing it was uh, it was a little wetter that time. And so some of the, the rocky sections presented some, some good challenges, you know, classic Pisgah, slippery rocks. It's definitely a tight trail compared to what some have experienced in the past with some of the newer built and rerouted trails. So, you know, go into it with an open mind. It's the best, best way I can say. Like you said, it's not going to replace what was there, but there's a reason why we are replacing what is what was there. So, you know, I encourage everyone to go out and, you know, get a taste of it. it climbs well and you know it points downhill so it's a fun bike ride either way 
Yeah, for certain. And what's there, it's just dirt. It can be moved. Things can be fixed and amended and changed. Uh, I, for one, I hope that hard left uh, switchback gets some, some love or some, some work and maybe some of its bumps worked out because I'm, I'm not a huge fan of that particular section. But you know what? I'm not crying about it because I know that it's going to get ridden in. And if it doesn't, we can go out there with some shovels on a trail day and fix it. Yeah, we can always make it work. We can re-sculpt it. So, Drew, just like Middle Black, uh, we've had another pretty popular trail that's had a long history in the other Pisgah that's getting some rework love and a little reroute on its exit. And that's the Yancey Ridge Trail. So this week I got up with Paul Stahlschmidt of the Northwest North Carolina Mountain Bike Alliance to get a little interview about, you know, what's going on with the Yancey's Ridge Trail. Uh, and also just to, to get kind of filled in on this whole new Mortimer Trails project that they've got going on up there. You know, some, some new trails and lots of stuff going on. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to hearing this one. Thanks for doing this. Oh, yeah. Always looking for an excuse to drive up to the high country. Well, sweet, Paul. Thanks for meeting up with me this week. We're psyched to have you on the show. You've been a mover and a shaker kind of behind the scenes there for a minute. So uh, kind of give me a little introduction on... Uh, what you do professionally, and then what your involvement is with bike trails. Sure. Well, thank you. I'm psyched to be here and uh, talk to you a little bit about what we have going on in our neck of the woods. I work professionally for Appalachian State here. We have a lot of bike and trail people doing this. Uh, I have a couple different hats here. I work as a advisor and a professional orienteer for new students and uh, for students here uh, that are freshmen and sophomores at our school. I also work in recreation management as a adjunct, so teach a couple classes uh, with a lot of others that are mountain bikers and trail people in the area. So we have a lot of collegiality here uh, mm -hmm. in the bike world. Uh, my my interest in trails is in some ways separate, but there's a lot of overlap with things we prepare students to do, and um, you know I've been really lucky to kind of have some overlap with these things I do as a volunteer, you know, and showing these examples to students and bringing examples of relationships with uh, other movers and shakers that really matter, mm -hmm. uh, like land managers, mm -hmm. uh, nonprofit world, stuff like that. So kind of connecting the dots. Exactly. Yeah. When we were talking about doing this interview, you sent me some documents uh, to kind of look over and check out. And one of the things that you sent me was like a timetable of events of how mm -hmm. things have happened. And kind of the first date on your list was 2014. <laughs> and that was kind of when you started building the relationship with the U.S. Forest Service. So talk to me a little bit how you got that ball rolling and what brought you to doing that. Yeah, well, and I didn't include some things that actually happened before that, which uh, some of those were with um, locals here in Boone. You know, we had... Uh, Back in, you know, Boone Area Cyclist was founded in uh, 2009 or somewhere around there. Uh, work we did with Rocky Knob Park, a lot of people interested in trails and uh, getting Sawyer certified and getting training and doing some professional uh, or some some highly skilled volunteer work with Rocky Knob Park. And a lot of these folks ride in Pisgah. And um, we started to see 
that there was a big need to 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 deal with the trails we have uh here and there's a long history of riding uh back in the early days of riding in wilson creek and there's a lot of locals around here who have been around a long time riding those trails and i think the consensus was that uh you know it's not a secret anymore and we're starting to see some changes with how the trails function and we may need to do uh, some planning and some long-term care for these or we're not going to really have them around much uh, the way we know them. So uh, yeah, 2014 was when we started meeting with the Forest Service and, um, you know, kind of planning to adopt trails. But we did like the the trail strategy that I know Lisa Jennings of the Forest Service mentioned in the uh, podcast you did on Old Fort. You know, that was kind of a a big high-level effort that National Forests in North Carolina did along, you know, Nantahala Pisgah. And uh, some of those documents uh, like that, or, or that document in particular, kind of guides other actions. Um, and, you know, we saw the need to kind of form a bigger advocacy group. So we, we basically started a, a Sorba chapter, very similar to Pisgah Sorba, just that covered this region, you know, our, our geographic center, um, is in Lenore, and the name of this organization is the Northwest North Carolina Mountain Bike Alliance, which is, uh, you know, kind of a subchapter of Sorba. And in Western North Carolina, you've got Nanahela, uh, Pisgah area Sorba, and then you've kind of got us moving up the chain. And you know, we had all this this big bubble here with national forest land, like fifty two thousand acres or something like that, with a decent amount of mountain bike trails, but we didn't really have any high level agreements or planning taking place. So. That was really where it all started, and um, you know, we we signed an agreement with the the Forest Service uh, just shortly after there, like 2015, which is called a Volunteer Service Agreement. Pisgah Area Sorba has one of these, and we actually copied theirs. And uh, changed some re- words. Yeah, <laughs> and I can remember specifically the district ranger coming back saying, you know, there's one little thing in here that they do that I would suggest doing, and and it was a you know, basically it was a lot, a part of the agreement that allowed us to hire professionals and uh, for us to actually, you know, kind of uh, have the ability to exchange funds and get grants and uh, spend their money even, so to speak, yeah. uh, through a certain type of agreement called a cost share. So we went ahead and added that and um, it's been really productive as, as you referenced in the timeline I, I shared with you. So lots been going on. It's funny you mentioned like a lot of people have been rotting this area for a long time. And a lot of the old schoolers that I've met throughout, you know, not my real long time of mountain biking have always referenced like the Boone era and like the early days of riding mountain bikes, like Shoals Mill Road, Globe Mm -hmm. Road, stuff like that. And it's kind of interesting that this is seems to be like where a lot of people start mountain biking but then the Brevard area gets like all the credit kind of, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and one of the issues there, the big issue I would say is that, and I don't have the numbers here, but you know, there's, it's something like 40% of the trails in that area are bike legal. And and here you've got an equal number of trails in terms of miles uh, same kind of, you know, the district size is about the same. Um, But the percentage of, actual designated mountain bike trails here is, is something like it was like 10 percent, but that's changing and I'll, yeah. we'll get into that but but there's there's reasons that's changing and that's a big deal you know because even back in that trail strategy 
uh, I would say another big thing is the Pisgah Nantahala National Forest planning effort, you know, that, that people have read about, commented online and seen all these things. And, you know, for us, our biggest thing was, you know, there is not enough. And, and we compare numbers somewhat to what's going on in the Pisgah Ranger District where there's 40 percent of the trails are, are, are accessible. And that's super out of balance for us. So I think that's part of the reason. It's also very rural. I mean, the access, uh, you know, here to trails and, uh, you know, we're talking about places called Mortimer and Edgemont and Globe, you know, yeah. like those are, those require a lot of navigability, even just getting there, which, uh, you know, is 20 miles of gravel roads for most people mm -hmm. at least to get there. So I think there's, the experience is similar in terms of that national forest riding that, that, uh, you know, kind of uh, self-sufficient you know, tech long rides in the backcountry where you don't see a lot of people. I think that's very similar, uh, you know, the old Fort Zone as well. Yeah. But it's just a little more rural here and mm -hmm. a little less miles. Um, and we're trying to change, not necessarily to bring a lot more people here, but we're trying to just kind of upgrade uh, a few things that are degrading in terms of, uh, you know, sustainability issues and, and that kind of stuff because more people are riding here. And uh, as I know, folks out that way can attest, you know, the more people that are riding, the, the quicker things degrade if they're not in good shape. Oh, absolutely. So we're trying to stay ahead of that. That's probably one of the biggest things that, that motivate mm -hmm. uh, people around here is just trying to you know, fortify things to, to handle more traffic. Yeah. Well, it's, it's like we, if you look at a trail such as here in, in this district, like Schoolhouse, mm -hmm. like if Schoolhouse, which is... Not in the best shape right now. If Schoolhouse got the amount of traffic that Lower Black did, mm -hmm. where do you think it would be at as far as like trail status right now? I think it'd be shut down completely. <laughs> and and that's, that's one of the things we're also, I don't want to say it's a race because it's not really a race uh, in, in that regard here, but some of the trails we're working on have been on the decommission radar of the forest service and i think schoolhouse was the most complained about trail in the 2013 uh pisgah trail strategy that we talked about looking back at those documents i think that's pretty justified on there that everybody's commenting about do something about schoolhouse well look at what year it is now right mm -hmm. so things take time and another thing is you know a lot of people some of these old schoolers so i'll include myself in some of that but we you know we like some of these things the way they are uh, we like them a little on the sketch side. We like them uh, a little bit on the tech side because you can't find places to ride that kind of terrain uh, in some regards. So yeah, they don't build that stuff right anymore because it's not in like a build style strategy. Right. Well, it, it, there's a lot of things that contributed to getting to where it is yeah. <laughs> environmentally, and uh, and and really, you know, schoolhouse just is the perfect example. There's uh, everybody's probably nodding their heads right now because it's, it is an example of what it's past the point of no return. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and that like there it's rideable for trials riders. It's yeah. rideable. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't that long ago that it was rideable by anybody that had some technical ability, not yeah. that long ago. So, but at this point it's, it's very, very difficult to make a clean pass on the whole last mile of trail. And, uh, a lot of people, I would say, that might be complaining about some of the work, you know, that might make things a little bit easier in the name of environmental uh, sustainability, 
how often are you riding schoolhouse these days? That's my question. Yeah. Um, you know, so because that's kind of where some of these trails are headed, like Yancey Ridge, you know, one of our favorites for sure. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, if it's past the point of no return, it's not going to be that great of an experience for most yeah. people riding. Uh, I think it was like maybe 2015 or 2016, uh, linked up with Moto Mike and Sap and Ethan and some of the boys. And we, we went out and did like a, a full sweep on schoolhouse. We trimmed, trimmed some shrubberies mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then we got in there to the ditched out zones and mm-hmm. like kind of dug it out a little mm-hmm. bit and tried to, to make it a little more rideable. Mm-hmm. And I want to say like three months later after yeah. like two big rains, it was yeah. back to being a ditch where your, your pedals would dig in yeah. on the sides at that point. Yeah. But it was awesome while it lasted, right? <laughs> it was that next yeah. full run I did on it. I was yeah. like, Oh, this is amazing. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. And we, uh, and, there's others, some of the locals around here, we, we made a big effort one day uh, not that long ago and just kind of shaved back the bank a little bit where you could transition onto one side and just clean it and get out of those little ditch mm-hmm. zones. And uh, I, I remember doing that faster than I ever had for like a month, but it wasn't, you know, the next rainstorm just changed everything. And, you know, we, we actually, Schoolhouse is an interesting one because uh, we do want to keep as much of the kind of feel of that traditional trail. And, and, and that's really an, a guiding uh, kind of principle to some of the stuff we're doing is just people go to the forest for longer backcountry rides. Um, that's a given. People go there for, you know, certain experiences that you can't get in everywhere else. And we try to, we're trying through planning to uh, keep that. And, you know, even when professional help is being um, brought in to do trail work, we want them to know that it's, uh, you know, that that's kind of guiding. We want to keep the tech wherever we can, as long as the trail functions, as long as it's uh, kind of a sustainable um, build. Then let's keep it as rugged and as traditional as as, it, as we can. Oh, absolutely. And I think you guys are pretty blessed to have a great trail builder here locally that mm-hmm. grew up in the area. And you know, it's Michael Thomas, Moto Mike, and yeah. you know if. It's like we have Shrimper down in the Ranger District, and you guys have right. Mike up here, so it's a good combo to have him working on some of the projects. Because for sure, yeah, yeah, and it it becomes a a passion project for those folks mm-hmm. as well. They're connected to a lot of the people that ride it, and they know what they like, and um, I think they're dedicated to see it through and to to make everyone happy. Uh, let's let's step back. You mentioned something earlier about you know navigating to places like Mortimer, Edgemont, et cetera. I think that's kind of one thing that maybe scares some people off because we, we jokingly say like in the Ranger District, when you cross the gates of Pisgah there on Highway 276, like you lose cell phone service, but you're right there at like the front range of trails, like everything's mm-hmm. there. But here you lose cell phone service like 45 minutes before you get to like the trailhead parking or something <laughs> there's no reliable signal unless you're up on the high on the ridge lines there's yeah. not really and and you know there's no signage that's consistent usually it's a good idea to have somebody guide you around you know and there's technology has really helped people who might be a little adventuresome yeah yeah um just being able to follow the blue dot on a map somewhere um in some way as a safety net that that people are comfortable with uh or reading trail reviews or videos or whatever so i think times have changed along with just word of mouth 
it's still rugged terrain though and you better be prepared yeah. um, and it, it, you're still not you know anywhere close to just like in some areas of the Pisgah district you're not going to you're not super close to emergency care so it, it is this isn't like riding a you know a local bike park where you can get out easily if you yeah. if you have trouble i mean being able to do emergency repairs on your bike, uh, you know, all these, you, you know, all these things. And most people listen to the show probably do also. Um, it's, it's kind of what goes with the territory in Pisgah if you're not with a guide mm-hmm. or, uh, <clears throat> with somebody who can take care of you. But yeah, it's, there is an effort to look at the infrastructure. Um, you know, also, you know, Wilson Creek area in particular, you know, it's in drainages and it's in uh, areas where there's not a lot of flat land. And um, unlike Old Fort, you know, which has a huge area being planned as a, a kind of major trailhead. And then in Brevard, at the Davidson River area where there's like key access for everybody. And it's not really the same over here. So we're really looking at like how, how the infrastructure is going to be able to handle a little bit of increased traffic yeah. as we improve trails. And the idea is just that if it's dispersed, um, it's a little better, you know, like... Mm-hmm. Brevard, if you're, you know, accessing trails from, uh, you know, 1206 or, uh, you know, Mills River. And, you know, some people might be coming up from Davidson and you end up kind of overlapping somewhere up in the forest. It's kind of the same thing here. It's just that our trailheads are going to be smaller. But we are trying. And and if the scoping documents for the NEPA process for the Mortimer Trails project kind of talked a little bit about how some areas are going to be getting a little bit more attention to parking yeah because the pandemic kind of changed everything it brought a lot of people a little deeper into the forest than than what they would usually do because they kind of had more time on their hands <laughs> yeah and so whereas pisgah ranger district you know we're close to a lot of major metropolitan areas mm-hmm. but in some ways you know the grandfather district in the wilson creek area is closer to some other major metropolitan areas so yeah and and uh you know we get traffic in this area from you know the winston-salem charlotte area of the piedmont and and also coming people coming uh from the west side especially hitting the 181 trails which are a little more accessible than some of the stuff in um the wilson creek on the on the you know mortimer edgemont side mm-hmm. let's talk about yancey ridge that's kind of yeah. one of the main reasons i came here to talk with you based on what map you look at it's it appears to be a system trail it doesn't appear to be a system trail. Like, wh- what is its official status right now? It's a legal trail. It ends on private property. And because of that, it, I think I'm okay saying some of this stuff. But uh, I think if you would call the district office, they would say the same thing. I mean, it was basically removed administratively from some maps back in the day. And it wasn't until we started doing planning for it that we kind of uncovered some of these things about the history of the trail. And that's one of the nice things that mountain bike advocacy brings to the table is is getting answers and uh, you know kind of once once you start working and having communications with uh, the land manager, you, you you figure stuff out and you figure out not just answers uh, on what statuses are but you know what you can do to make it better and that's kind of really how this whole Yancey thing started. It's very important. We had a meeting. Uh, in Banner Elk to talk about the Mortimer Trails project with some of these old school folks we've been talking about. They're really important voices to hear. Uh, I feel like that was was January in 2018 to kind of kick off some of this stuff. And uh, out of that meeting, uh, Schoolhouse and Yancey were probably the top priority trails. Um, So, 
you know, with Yancey kind of being in that gray area of uh, not being on maps and, you know, perhaps the most visited trail in, in uh, the grandfather district and not being on maps, you know, we really, really focused on that. And um, uh, Nicholas Larson, the, the district ranger, really wanted to focus on Mortimer and this first kind of project because, you know, Yancey is over one ridge from Mortimer, so we really kind of focused on Schoolhouse and uh, some of the trails around the Mortimer area first. But uh, Yancey has always been a priority trail, and we, through a challenge cost share agreement with the Forest Service, I don't want to get into too many technical <laughs> terms or acronyms of Forest Service speak, but really it kind of became on the front burner and we were able, uh, the advocacy organization, the Alliance was able to, uh, you know, work with a local contractor, Mike Thomas and uh, Terratech, and basically hire him ourselves because we had that agreement and we won the Santa Cruz grant, uh, which is super psyched that we were all super psyched about that. Uh, so we were able to bring, you know, kind of move that project forward and manage that. Some of the other trails are linked to uh, RTP grants and some of the some of them are going to be going through the Forest Service contracting process and you know bids and all that stuff will be a little bit yeah. different. You know the the challenge cost share agreements and stuff like that that you know Pisgah Area Sorba has those kind of things going on where they have a volunteer service. I don't know that they're doing cost shares, but they're definitely doing. Uh, um, you know they've they've won RTP grants for all mm-hmm. these trails that they've worked on uh, Trace Trace Ridge Avery. You know all those are products of them winning $100,000 grants yeah. and uh, and them because they have that agreement with the Pisgah District, they're able to do that. So we're kind of doing the same thing. We've copied a lot of stuff uh, that they've been doing over the years. And um, you know, this Mortimer project is kind of our first big one. Grandfather Ranger District is managing that per, that first grant that was won, and uh, it was an RTP grant from 2018 that they applied oh, for. Oh, the, for the other stuff in Mortimer, yeah. not the Yancey Ridge Trail one. Yes, exactly. Okay. Yeah. And we've also got, uh, they also applied for a grant for a trail called uh, Marks Mountain, mm-hmm. uh, which is in the plan as a brand new trail that'll be off of Yancey. Essentially, it's going to provide a loop opportunity of brand new single track. Yeah. So that's 2020, 2023, that'll be executed. And our chapter of Sorba, you know, we're kind of in some ways still in our infancy. So we don't have this huge budget where we can like, afford to pay large sums of money you know we're getting there but that's part of the reason we have such a great relationship with the national forest and you know the level of trust is kind of there that we can work together and uh you know contribute volunteer hours to match grants and we can both be fiscal agents on different grants that we might apply for and we've kind of become pretty good at this and we're even involved other partners you know we've got other partners that are having conversations with us about mutual interests and in, in watershed protection and sustainability and uh you know so much so that we're even getting benefit to upgraded trails from grants that they apply for that's awesome because yeah. i noticed on the on one of the maps i believe it's the pisgah map company map of the grandfather district yancey ridge kind of acts as a border mm-hmm. of like just regular national forest mm-hmm. and then like a wild and scenic river mm-hmm. area is that right uh well, Wilson Creek is on uh, you know the east side of the ridge, mm-hmm. and it is a, a congressionally designated wild and scenic river. Those areas can have mountain biking, other uh, unlike some congressional designations like wilderness study area. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know those are uh, wilderness areas, of course, don't allow mountain biking. But um, 
in wild and scenic, you can have some trails. And um, I think the other side that you mentioned is the wilderness study area. But that, that, that particular area around Yancey Ridge is also a congressionally designated roadless area. So there's some pretty, it's some pretty impressive land. It's, yeah. it's really, it's a really unique area and really like high quality experience. There's some old growth forest around. It, it's just a really amazing place to ride bikes. So let's, let's step back a little bit and talk about kind of the history of, of Yancey Ridge Trail because I've kind of heard you refer to as like Paul Yancey Ridge. Paul Yancey Ridge? <laughs> yeah. Like uh, you are Yancey Ridge. Like, Well, who's told you that? Because uh, there's a lot of other people that are, I, I've, I've pretty much been living there, I think, uh, just trying to, you know, manage this uh, grant that was won and, you know, keep in touch with the trail builder that's it's a super remote area so like upper black it's yeah. it's you know to go and to kind of just have a little oversight on what's going on and and check in with the trail builder see if there's any needs um, that volunteers are can do and that's another thing it's definitely not my trail but it's a uh, um I, th- I would say that it's uh, you know it, it's a trail that we're all really proud of and we all want to see mm-hmm. um done right but we I, we spend a lot of time there, and and volunteers have been going up as part of this project. Um, it wasn't like a turnkey job, so not to get into technical terms of trail building speak and contracting, but where volunteers are contributing greatly to the project with corridor work, sawyer work, in some cases a little bit of finish work, uh, a lot of the planning, of course, some of the trail design was uh, donated by uh, volunteers. It's a, it's a it's a trail that a lot of people have a big stake in Um, and a lot of people have spent a a lot of time up there. Talk to me about your first experience that you can remember being out on Yancey Ridge Trail. I'm going to really date myself here. No, that's what Uh, I want. You know, we want to hear like, yeah, I mean, I was a student here uh, as well and have some other folks that were around here with me riding bikes in the same area that are still around. But I, I, it was definitely early 90s. Uh, you know, my first experience was riding short Yancey, probably, uh, which was the first time I ever rode up there. But, you know, later later that year and other years, rode kind of the long Yancey version. But mm-hmm. uh, the, the first experience that I remember was probably just a small camping trip I had uh, with a friend in college. And uh, I do remember parking in the Roseboro area and, and having a, a late night kind of run in with some motos that were uh, cruising around our, our, our tent. And uh, that was kind of a wake up call to um, Wilson Creek for sure. Uh, I, I remember being I remember just, you know, being blown away by the scenery of, uh, you know, that mountains to sea section along Greg Prong and, uh, you know, just going down uh, Yancey and you know, seeing the, the bear sanctuary signs and, you know, the massive trees and and just really just being out in the middle of nowhere. I mean, those are the things that kind of jump out at me. And I think if people uh, that are listening that wrote, have ridden up there, you're probably resonating with some of that because it's, it's very similar uh, today. Yeah, I mean, it's deep out there. So for those listeners that aren't familiar with Yancey, there's kind of... You ride Yancey, like kind of, I guess you can kind of do it one of three ways. You've got, you know, your long Yancey, which Yancey's kind of divided up into two sections with um, like a forest road coming off the middle point. Mm-hmm. What is that? Forest Road 451? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But 
So when you say short Yancey, were you did you do upper or lower? Uh, upper. And in uh, that road 451 is uh, Marks Mountain Road is the, also the same, uh, another road that people call that Marks Mountain Road. I think that's on some of the Forest Service maps is Marks Mountain Road too. Back then, that trail was kind of cool. It was uh, there was a big logging project in the late 90s, I think, that really <laughs> crushed that road and turned it into a proper road. And right now, it's still, I think, kind of gated. And I'm not sure, but. It, Pretty sure that road is open seasonally right now. There's a couple of landslides on it that are keeping okay. it closed, but usually that road is open seasonally for hunting and uh, other access. But that that was actually a pretty cool trail back then. So you would ride Upper Yancey and uh, ride that. And I, you talked about the Long Yancey Loop. That's 13 miles, you know, of, mm-hmm. of, and the single track pour the trail portion of that is really only about five miles. Yeah, um, but. Uh, that includes the climb up the mountains of sea trail, the old house gap, which is, um, or I should say that doesn't include that, which is, um, you know, a few miles. Um, and that's an open road for high clearance vehicles, but it's, uh, it's a pretty nice experience. It's, it's a long climb on a yeah, pretty road. It is really pretty back in there. I've never done short Yancey. I've always done long Yancey for, yeah. for whatever reason. I think, uh, well, the effort that it takes to get there, you probably would want more miles, but yeah. I think... The short Yancey is a good introduction. I, I want to say it's probably seven, maybe six mile loop if you take Mark's take a right there, and the upper portion has just been redone. I mean, this there's, that's a good story in itself. The upper portion of Yancey, which is about a mile, you know, is a we've done a road to trail conversion on that. Uh, the contractor has, and that was kind of the plan to take a 15 foot wide corridor that's bermed up from mechanized. Uh, equipment when the road was built uh, there's this berm it's like three feet high that developed on the outside so it was holding water like crazy you know we we really tried to narrow the corridor make it more of a trail experience and um, you know that's going to be a designated trail section now uh, from uh, what's 4062 orchard at the top down a little less than a mile at that point will be a designated uh, trail Mm -hmm. now and not a road so that's a pretty cool thing you could tell it was an old forest road, but it had got kind of trailed in a little bit just with like overgrowth and stuff. But yeah, it, it yeah, but it was, but it was built with a dozer. I mean, it was, you know, it was, uh, it was wide Yeah, and there was some vegetation on that. And, um, it, it, it was because of that berming on the outside, you know, any section that was downhill was holding water. Yeah, so, just, so it you know, got really channelized and I think a lot of people will be happy with, uh, the, the way that it turned out, Terratech did a good job using as much of the, the rock that was on the inside of the trail to try to get traffic on this, like off camber slabs and uh, out of some of the outside of the trail that, um, you know, was just, just dirt after it was kind of um, filled in a little bit. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty cool. And um, in cases where the trail was, you know, kind of a mellow, section of a a bench cut that was 15 foot wide built by a dozer he actually cut into the outslope there and kind of benched that off so you know there's actually a proper bench in the road which eventually is going to wear like a trail yeah so half that quote trail as it was was you just kind of navigating back and forth across the ditch mm-hmm. R- right <laughs> and, and that that's Changed a lot yeah. um, in that it's it's now it's like a it's like a mile long luge run. I mean it, it's really 
across rocks. Yeah. <laughs> so it's 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 different than just slamming down. I mean, you know, I think some people have complained about um, you know taking tech away, and I mean, I'm not sure I agree with chundery rocks. I mean, mountain bikes can roll over that stuff just fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think you know maybe navigating a, a little bit tougher line with a slap or you know something that you know might be a little more challenging is a little more techie. I agree. So uh, yeah, I didn't. I felt the, the biggest challenge with the way it was was keeping keeping fist-sized rocks off of my down tube and my shins. <laughs> you know, so riding through it was no big deal. But there were other things that could happen that weren't so so great. Yeah, getting into those. I think I've heard it called toaster tech. Yeah, <laughs> rocks the size of toasters. You're just like blasting through. <laughs> Future-wise right now for Yancey Ridge, uh, I've seen some photos that uh, Mike has posted of where he's been getting his machine mm-hmm. to and at. Right, right. Pretty impressed. Yeah. So it's like progress is being made pretty good on that. Really moving. Uh, I think he would be able to tell you exactly how many drains he built. As a, you know, There was four miles of maintenance across the trail where yeah. – most of that trail didn't change at all. There were mm-hmm. three small reloads done uh, from the start of Long Yancey to this final section that's getting rerouted off of private property. And those three reloads are, are pretty, pretty, pretty nice because they take, you know, they take you, um, you know, single track basically, um, take you off of kind of an up, you know, small little knob that might be unsustainable. And, you know, we, we flagged around those. Um, but for the most part, it was just drains and outsloping and, and doing stuff that mechanized uh, machines can do that really help the long-term sustainability of the trail. So there's not a lot of character changes with that portion. But this final section is the good stuff, as Mike would say. I think it's – we've been calling it the promised land. Uh, one of our volunteers kind of named it that because the it is – classic cove forest where there's high canopy trees and massive massive trunks of trees and the trails kind of winding through that zone oh, that um, sounds beautiful. it is a, it is an amazing forest and that'll we've tried to through the design christian jackson and i spent an afternoon up there like really looking at initial design doing some flagging but it ended up being where this trail is going and we were just blown away uh you know we wanted people to have that experience of dropping into yancey the way you used to but at the same time, this particular area of the forest is really, really amazing. So it's a little more pedally and uh, might have a little bit of uphill in there that's, uh, you know, just kind of flattish. But um, eventually you're going to drop and it's going to be downhill the rest of the way. Like three, I don't know, man, almost all of the trail is downhill from that point. But that, that upper zone is really special. And that's actually where you might have been seeing some of the photos is up in that area, mm-hmm. um, brand new single track trail. The, the last mile of trail, which will probably end up being closer to a mile and a half, will be brand new trail. Well, talk to me about its prior status of, you know, it ended on private property. Like, you know, we, we mentioned about schoolhouse being all ditched out. Mm-hmm. Like that exit mm-hmm. prior mm-hmm. off of Yancey was more than ditched out. You had like four foot drops in there yeah. and stuff like Well, that's interesting too, because that, Back in the day, that trail also dumped out on private property. There was a big land purchase uh, that the state owns now, and, and that's also been something we've been navigating is, uh, you know, the state of North Carolina. There's a, there's a long history of Wilson Creek of um, advocacy, uh, you know, Foothills Conservancy, uh, other land trusts uh, doing work, great work, um, to, uh, 
you know, ultimately turn big parcels of land that are private over to uh, state uh, of North Carolina or over to the U.S. Forest Service. So that's super exciting because Wilson Creek is is a watershed that is very, very important and it's very high priority for a lot of people. Um, but Schoolhouse, one of the reasons that exit got so bad is that for a long time that was ending on private property too. So, um, but it now that's owned by the state, the very last part, and you know we have permission to redo that one. Um, but with Yancey, um, you know, it just it just needs to be on federal property wherever it can. I, I don't think that's unique to national forests across the country. Um, that there might be some kind of sketchy places where you're grandfathered into an old trail that's been there for a long time so in some cases that trail's been there before the forest existed and uh you know in our case before the weeks act uh in north carolina we've had trails around here yancey ridge is there's been people using that trail for years i mean since like the 30s or 20s or something like that probably the indians used it. it it it's it's possible so yeah there's a there's a lot of of history with that but but it's going to go down to Edgemont Road. The trail will be re- relocated down to Edgemont Road onto federal property. And, you know, there will be it's – uh, it's, it's up a good ways from where it ends now, but not that far, probably about maybe a, a quarter mile, maybe a half mile up the okay. road. Yeah, because, like, where it dumps out now or prior, I remember, like, as you would pedal back up the road, it was kind of cliffed out on mm-hmm. your uphill side and then creeks on the other side, and then it kind of flattened out a yeah. little bit. So I'm guessing that's probably where you're going to have like the new Well, there's trailhead. one spot. <laughs> there's, yeah. there's, out of the whole place, there's one spot. Where, and uh, people familiar with that are, you know, there's, there's a couple dispersed camping sites along the creek there on mm-hmm. uh, Rockhouse Creek, and there's a few boulders, and there's a draw uh, that kind of comes in on the right side there as you're going up the hill. And it's kind of tight, but that's where it's going to come in. And um, it was the best we could work with. And overall, the, the design is really trying to control speed and trying to control that final push to where you're not kind of coming into a, a gravel road, uh, worrying about traffic and yeah. other trail users and all mm-hmm. that stuff. It'll be a popular hiking trail. It'll be People will want to be up there because it'll be a special, special place. Yeah. Um, so there'll be a little more traffic on this than normal, but still in a pretty rural area let's talk about uh you sent me a map with a bunch of new trails is that (laughs) stuff you can talk about yes for sure okay a few minutes ago you mentioned this new uh mark's mountain trail yeah that is going to kind of split in between mark's mountain road and that old house gap road and it's a new trail brand new trail that looks like it's going to create either you know a new climbing opportunity to get up to the upper section of Yancey or, you know, just a new different route to ride for a descent. Yeah, it, it's, it would be, it's going to be built as a way to climb up um, or as a way to use Old House Gap and then come back on, down that. Um, or out it, and back. It, it, or an out and back. I mean, the parking area where that comes in on Roseboro Road will be, uh, will be a good spot to park for any any little circuit you do on those trails but would that be a new parking spot there's there's a few campsites there and it, there's there's room for more okay it, it's already there most people that come from a high country park at roseboro road in roseboro mm-hmm. i think people who ride yancey from um you know other points um a lot of times come up 
Brown Mountain Beach Road and Edgemont area and park there. Uh, but this place will be kind of right in the middle. And um, the, the, the Marks Mountain Trail itself and the reason that the grant was won really scored higher in the RTP process because it'll be an alternate to the Mountains to Sea Trail. So Mountains to Sea Trail, one of the only bike legal Mountains to Sea segments is that section that's on Old House Gap Road, the one that we talked about that climbs up yeah. uh, to Old House Gap. But it's an open road, even though it's a sometimes gated or, or it's a, let's just say it's a high clearance vehicle road. It's not gated yet, but there is some work being planned on there that, that might be uh, gated temporarily. It's a nice, nice road, but the mountains of sea really... They want to keep it trail. They want to keep it trail. So if, if there's an opportunity to have a trail off of an open road, it's it's a good option. So yeah. you know, there's also some talk about maybe extending the mountains to see the hike portion from the bottom of Mark's Mountain down to Greg Prong Falls. And potentially it would be an option for hikers uh, hiking the mountains to see through Wilson Creek to just bypass Roseboro and just go straight up. And the scenery and the, the forest on the Mount Mark's Mountain zone is is like crazy cool it is it is really really I, I mentioned earlier that it's a roadless area parts of it are in the roadless area huge trees nice views it, it's a really unique open forest so uh, some people are really gonna like that trail and it'll it again it, it's kind of it'll offer a different experience so uh, you know Yancey does have some tech and is not for everybody even with the new work there's there some of the section is, is are being maintained and, and kept as hard, technical, rocky trails. So people could ride Upper Yancey potentially and Marks Mountain and um, you know have another option. Yeah, it looks like Marks Mountain is going to intersect with Yancey in that old clear-cut zone. Is that about right? Yeah, it's right near Old House Gap. Okay. And I think the map doesn't quite show Old House Gap, but it's, it's right near there. Okay. So, so it's pretty much... It is connecting to that 4062, which is a, a gated road, but it's just for a small section. Yeah. And then some of the other new trails that you have on the map is some stuff around the Mortimer Campground area. You know, you have a new trail that looks like it's an alternate to Thorpe's Creek, which I think I climbed up Thorpe's Creek <laughs> after doing squats a couple of years ago with Ethan. And A lot of people have stories about Thorpe's Creek, but usually it's just one. <laughs> yeah, there's... Thorpe's Creek has a watershed issue. It's a priority for the forest. It's uh, trout habitat. The trail crosses the streams. I don't know how many times and a dozen plus. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and we and honestly, uh, I just want to say we can do better than that. I yeah. mean, it, it uh, the trail will be kept to the beautiful falls uh, out of the campground, Thorpe's Creek Falls, but mm -hmm. the section that nobody rides. It's also there's also a lot of hemlock damage in there. So yeah. It's been crazy to try to keep that trail open, even though it's uh, on the map as a bike trail. It's not used at all. So I would never, I have no reason to ride yeah. it again. I'd rather go up the road. So, you know, the we can do better part is going to be high knob. Uh, mm -hmm. And there's part of that is on an existing kind of old road that uh, starts up near where Wilson Ridge comes in. And then the last half of that is all single the last half of that's going to be single track coming into the Mortimer campground uh, right behind the uh, CCC center nice it seems like that Mortimer campground has been getting a lot more attention over the past couple of years yes and partly it's because of natural disasters there's uh you know big rains we had a couple of years ago lots of blowouts in the Wilson Creek area uh, and you know part of the big damage is caused because we've got 
you know, man-made things going on with culverts and structures that are built in wrong places. And when you start to channel water and um, it, you have a, a natural event, um, it, it blows out. And, yeah. you know, this Estes Mill Trail that is being worked on right now, that's actually going to be a pretty new trail. It's an old area. And, you know, I don't want to get people psyched on logging roads as trails, but in some cases there there are a few places where they're, they're uh, on proper alignment. And if you can do what we did like on Upper Yancey um, with design and uh, with, you know, high-level trail building, narrow the corridor and convert that to uh, a trail, it, it's a good opportunity to uh, kind of use an area that's already on the landscape and, and make it better. And in the case of Estes Mill, there's been like 14 culverts that are pulled as part of this process. And, uh, you know, we've got a really strong partnership going on with uh, Trout Unlimited, um, who has uh, really kind of bought into what mountain bikers want in terms of good trails that um, also aren't really impacting natural systems. So they've been a great partner with some of the work on Yancey and some of uh, this work on the uh, Old House Gap Road, which is, is about to take place now. And then also with this Estes Mill project, which is a, a feeder area, feeder streams to Estes Mill Creek, which is a, a, a nice uh, watershed uh, that starts Wilson Creek. You know, there's a lot of restoration work is the word that we use a lot going on. And that's where some of the funding comes from. And the Forest Service end of things, it's coming from restoration dollars that are that are uh, government dollars that are that are helping with uh, high priority watersheds. Yeah, and then you've got also off of this Estes Mill section, you've got Jackson Knob, which looks to be a new trail connecting, you know, the site Brown Mountain Beach Road up to Wilson Ridge Trail. Yes, so that'll create like some good loop opportunities mm-hmm. to you know how I look at this map that you sent me showing, you know, some new stuff coming into Mortimer in that zone, it, it kind of opens up that area for more multi-day yeah. use. Yeah. More, more use, but also linking together more legal rides too. Yeah. And a lot of these zones, like these trails were on the map. Some of them were on the map and people riding them. They're just, we can't do any work on, on a trail if it's not an official trail. Exactly. So, now we can actually do, we had a great kind of weekend just a few weeks ago. Uh, shout out to those folks that, that came and uh, camped out in Mortimer. We worked on Jackson Knob and we're able to legally actually do that because it's had NEPA on it and we're doing some work on it to kind of prepare it for the professional work that will come later. But and there's just a few places where we could make a lot better, a lot more fun to ride now, even though it might not actually get some work for a couple of years or a year. But that Jackson Knob Trail... Wilson Ridge, uh, if anybody's ever long, you know, ridden Long Wilson Ridge up there that comes, uh, you know, off of uh, 21 Jump Schoolhouse area, crosses the ridge. Uh, There's a large section of private property up there, too. Trail that's on the map that crosses private property. And uh, this trail, Jackson Knob, will allow you to bypass that and get back up to Wilson Ridge where it's on federal land. And, you, you know, you Part of this, uh, I was thinking about this as you were describing it, but you know, going back to some of the established goals uh, of the trail strategy in 2013 and also meetings we've had with the Forest Service uh, and things we've communicated to our users in public meetings, loop opportunities are part of the goal. You know, in social, environmental sustainability, you know, getting what people want out of a trail is also part of the goal. But creating 
those experiences that, you know, involve loops and connected rides are really important. So, you know, having this zone in Mortimer that has a number of kind of options is, is really big. I'll, I'll never forget when I went to Harrisonburg, Virginia for the first time. I know some people that are listening probably have done that, but, you know, I remember being in, uh, you know, the, the campground there at the bottom of, uh, like Lookout Mountain in that area in um, Harrisonburg, Virginia. Yeah, it's and just, just like loops and loops Yeah, and, and loops. I remember seeing lots of other people doing the same thing I was in the morning and, uh, you know, getting up, camping, and getting your bike ready. Lots of people uh, biking there. And I didn't see hardly any of those people the rest of the day because they were all kind of going different directions. It's mm-hmm. like what happens at uh, the pinball race, you know, where you, you start at Black Mountain Campground and everybody just kind of, all in one place to begin with, but then they're dispersed across the forest, and you may see somebody if uh, they take the same route as you or crisscross. But it's uh, it's kind of like that. I remember, you know, being really impressed with the amount of riding there and the quality of riding there. And also, I figured out from that project that uh, there's a guy named Rich Edwards who worked for Imba up and uh, lived up there, who did a lot of work. And there's some people I met back in the way back when I was looking at this that. You know, they figured out a way how to uh, work with the local agency and fix what sucks and also advocate for those experiences that people really went to the National Forest to ride. So you're not talking about building a bike park there. You're talking about eliminating a ditched-out section of trail that goes over a, a knob and maybe creating a you know, a half mile of uh, scree-field-type rock tech in its place. <laughs> you know, yeah. that... I think is a nice alternative <laughs> to an unsustainable section that, you know, might be able to be a little better managed down the road. What I love about looking at new maps like this is previously when you're planning Wilson Creek rods, it's probably going to involve a lot of gravel road. <laughs> like if, if no one's ridden gravel in Wilson Creek, like that's, that's real gravel road riding. Like if someone says gravel, that's where my mind goes. It's like, Pelling up Globe Road or doing Edgemont or something like, mm-hmm. but to create an opportunity to to get people off roads and more into the mm-hmm. woods, yeah, and riding good backcountry trails, mm-hmm. like all for it. Yeah, still could be a death march, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, especially in uh, July and uh, Wilson Creek in the heat. But but yeah, it's uh it's nice to have a trail that climbs. Um, but you know, I mean, I know some people still like descending thrift cove you know it's like hey we can go up or down this trail and it still works uh and still might be a good option to come down drift cove is drift cove yeah yeah (laughs) yeah uh, it's awesome to see wilson creek getting a lot of attention in the grandfather district because prior the the old fort stuff has been getting a ton of attention of course you know they're also planning like 40 plus miles of trail and Mm -hmm. they're, they're right there at the forefront of of the attention and the accessibility, mm-hmm. but you know, don't let people yeah. sleep on Wilson Creek. Yeah, and I think you know, I remember listening to the the Old Fort episode and um, uh, Lisa Jennings, who's I, I want to give her a big shout out because oh, she's huge for, sure. for huge for mountain biking and um, really just huge for all users of the forest um, because she's a, a strong advocate for partnerships and. Um, you know, developing trust with people that really care uh, about the forest that, that could be an asset for them and make some of their life easier, but also having relationships that can help give us 
you know, what we need too, which is uh, great places to ride and recreate. But I remember hearing her talking uh, in that one about kind of some of the differences uh, with Old Ford and uh, Mortimer or if she didn't. I mean, you know, Old Ford has got a lot of economic development. They've got a lot of different land and, um, you know, the access is a lot different. They've they've got a lot of energy and Jason McDougald and uh, you know the Camp Greer and uh, the G five it's absolutely awesome I think with the Mortimer project it's a li- it's a lot different and that it's uh, a little bit more of a rural area access is a little bit different and it's kind of hard for us to uh, start working with the tourism bureaus uh, on uh, you know, driving traffic and you know to a place like that where it, it it's you know, we have to be sensitive to what, uh, you know, what we can do and what we can, uh, you know, what we can, you know, how much we can promote the place. Uh, I mean, here I am on a podcast, but uh, a lot of years out there and a lot of people are going to be coming to ride this. But I think the focus for us has really been, you know, trying to keep that infrastructure balance uh, and think about things such as, you know, dispersing traffic and, uh, you know, really trying to prepare you know trails that are already degrading uh, for a little bit more use i'm really really proud of uh what's happening in pisgah i mean really all across i mean i i have talks a lot with uh, uh craig rulin pisgah area sorba mm-hmm. president and i know uh, the president of our chapter travis hutchins and uh others are are talking a lot about how we can kind of learn from each other and you know it is one forest and there are a lot of commonalities in what we want to do and um, I said earlier that I copied some of the things they did with uh, agreements that were signed with our local district ranger and you know I'm I'm getting ready to do a a talk with some people in a a few days about federal funding and how to to get this is a uh, an IMBA program that they're going to have online just that kind of talks about different models of and different mechanisms for funding. So uh, a lot of these things that we're doing, we've copied and stolen from other people. And uh, hopefully uh, I would encourage anybody who's involved with trail advocacy to really look at the type of land you're working with and find other precedent ex- examples that, that can happen. And and it, it really works, especially when you got good, good trust um, and good partners. Yeah, not just partners with, you know, land managers and stuff, but different uh, groups, like multi-use groups. Like you mentioned, getting that RTP grant for uh, Marks Mountain Trail because working with the Mountains of Sea Trail, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. getting it off that mm-hmm. road and onto a new trail, yeah. or also creating these additional new trails and different access points so you're not funneling traffic mm-hmm. all to one spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the partnerships are huge. I mean. And through the national forest planning and through other relationships that have been built um, with other organizations, I mean, I remember seeing something that was eye-opening to me. And, and, and I guess I'll get to the, like, I think if you, you know, to separate mountain bikers from conservationists, for example, like some people might say that those are two different things. And I completely disagree with that. I oh, mean, 100%, yeah. Mountain bikers should not be looked at separately than conservation community in some regards because we all kind of want the same things. I mean, I remember seeing a a pretty well-developed survey that uh, IMBA put out a few years ago, and, and I remember it, it was staggering that, you know, a good sample size, too, 
like 80% or more, the number one peop reason for people to ride in a forest setting was to be connected with nature. So that was eye-opening to me. It wasn't, you know, tech. It wasn't, you know, huge long miles. It was the number one reason for 81% or 80-something percent of the people was to connect with nature. So, you know, I think that was eye-opening to me that, that there's a lot of overlap with other groups. And, um, you know, even the Mountains to Sea group, which you mentioned, we worked on Greentown Trail, uh, I don't know, sometime 2015 or so, somewhere around there. And they learned from us that you could have an agreement with the Forest Service and actually hire somebody uh, to do another segment of, you know, to actually hire, uh, under that agreement, you could hire somebody. So one half of Greentown Trail was kind of managed by us, and the other half of Greentown Trail was managed by them. But we both kind of worked together on the trail days and uh, mm -hmm. kind of communicating with the district office and, and you know, talking about different trail builders that could do the job. It was cool, you know, it was cool to, to, to leverage resources. I mean, here we benefited from a trail getting money, funding, and other volunteers working on a section that we didn't even really do much for. And, um, you know, the same goes for other places. It, it, if, you, if you build partners that have common interests, you get a lot some, done. You get a lot done. Yeah, and we talk about this at, in some of the classes here, um, you know, about, you know, this three-legged stool model of, you know, public, private, nonprofits. I mean, if you can involve those entities, you know, the government land agency, um, you know, uh, nonprofits. And then also, I mean, even you can use the Santa Cruz bicycles as a, as a private entity that contributed a good amount of money to a trail that we're now getting done faster um, and, and, and better than if we would wait it around. So, you know, it's kind of, and then if you involve other nonprofits and other people that, that uh, you know, can also bring some things to the table, it's just a stronger result. It, it takes time, you know, I mean, we, it takes time and you, I've, I think that we've learned here. And I think if you talk to people at Pisgah area, Sorba and other places that are, have a clear, uh, kind of reputation of getting stuff done that, um, it, it takes time, but it's not really anything to be scared about because there's plenty of work to do in the meantime, you know, and yeah. the, this NEPA process, um, and the district ranger, Nick Larson, we all knew about schoolhouse going back to schoolhouse again everybody goes back to schoolhouse but but he was very adamant that let's not do a nepa plan and uh, a separate project for schoolhouse let's include it in a big plan to where we can figure out a way to get this nepa done and um and get it all done and we can put that on a shelf and then as opportunities become available they could become targets for funding so I wasn't sure at the time. I wanted to see more progress, and I, I, I would. I'm happy that what we have now is, you know, all these trails that you were pulling off of that map. They've all had the NEPA process done, so you know it started way back when the the um, you know, the scoping project or the scoping was and the planning started way before that. But you know the botany, archaeology, those kind of things. Uh, you know, in Old Fort, they just pay for that and, and do it all themselves. But you know, it took us some while, a while to get you know, Forest Service folks and other people that w uh, were hired to do, you know, the NEPA uh, studies on the, the relocated portions of the trails. But mm -hmm. in the meantime, we focused on sections of trail that we could actually deal with. You know, like we, we actually did some machine work on Upper Schoolhouse years before this trail is going to get that done. Yeah. You know, we, there's a few other places where, you know, like uh, Upper Wilson Ridge, 21 Jumps, a few other places where, 
you know, as this planning was taking place for the big things that everybody's seen here that are going to happen in 2021 and 2022, you know, we're, we're doing some things and, and uh, people that might not have noticed, why are you working on Upper Schoolhouse? So, you know, it's like, why are you doing anything with Wilson Ridge? It's because Cause there's going to be a right t- now. Because you can right now. And that's pretty much what the district ranger here told me when mm-hmm. we were asking questions about it. Like, well, go do it. You know, who cares if the, that three miles of trail ends up uh, taking you to a ditch? I mean, who cares? Because eventually that three miles of maintained trail that you're not going to have to work on very much anymore is going to take you to a really cool, uh, sustainably, you know, realigned trail. So things take time, but there's there's plenty of stuff to do in the meantime. Mm-hmm. And I think you know, we've been able to have, I mean, the volunteers that have contributed to this are just, I mean, we, we're, we're, we've taken so much equipment on our bikes to do corridor work. And we've, we've been out bushwhacking through the woods, coming up with options. And uh, I know other trail people do the same kind of things, but it's, a, it's an exciting time for this. But um, there's a lot of things that are really getting a lot of help by volunteers. So Yeah. I think we're coming to the era where like new trails and trail actual boots on the ground trails being built is kind of going to explode a little bit in a good way. Yeah. It's exciting for sure. Mm-hmm. And and it takes, you know, I would say, you know, there's one thing, I mean, you don't need to go out and work on trails, but if you're not going to go work on trails, I think please recognize and maybe support the people that do because, well, you know, that we, we hear you don't have to go work on trails to still support trails, but at least um, do something, you know, try, try to, try to understand what's going on, learn mm-hmm. the language, um, you know, give, give feedback um, wherever you have that opportunity to. I mean, you know, even this, this project has had multiple opportunities for public input. You know, we held public meetings, we had chapter meetings, we had things online, you know, and there's always somebody that misses that stuff, but it, it's, it does guide the process. I mean, the forest service term that, um, you know, you'll hear them talk about Lisa Jennings talks about it all the time is public participation. Yeah. Um, you know, and when it gets to the NEPA stuff where there's official public comment, you know, that is one avenue of, of giving feedback, the public participation, which you saw with, uh, uh, Old Fort and some of the stuff we've done with uh, this Mortimer project is really good because it guides the project. I mean, it lets people know where the priorities are. So if you really like a place that you're riding, I would say, like, don't take it for granted necessarily that it's always going to be that way and 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 give input on why you like to ride that and what you'd like to see in the future whenever you hear of an opportunity for some planning. But yeah, I'm going back to what you said earlier, which is you know now is a time where it's really going to explode and it's really exciting, and I think um, you know the more people can get involved with that process, the better the end result's going to be. Absolutely. So how can people keep up with what you guys are doing up here? Yeah, websites, uh, social media. We have tried to update things on the website ridenwnc.com. There's some. Uh, there's some stories up there uh you know that that kind of give people updates on the mortimer trails project we also have days of uh you know work days that get posted and events that we have meetings that are out there so um we have a mailing list uh you know kind of the traditional avenues of Mm -hmm. of keeping in the loop i would suggest but uh you know just kind of keep up with the news i mean a lot of effort goes into uh you know putting stuff out there for people to know what's going on so you know I would suggest just taking a look at that and um, 
you know, and then um, get involved wherever you can. I mean, and that doesn't mean you have to be physically present uh, to be involved. It's always nice if there's people coming to trail days uh, or people joining as members, but, you know, find a way to get involved with the process. And, and I think uh, you'll be happy with uh, how it works out and how you heard. Awesome, Paul. Thanks a lot, man. Yeah, my pleasure. It's really nice. Yeah. Man, so I got to say, having more trail-based loop options in the Wilson Creek area out of the Mortimer Zone is awesome. Uh, you know, there's not... I can't think of a good excuse to not do a loop on trail versus having to throw some road in on the action. Yeah, I mean, out there, Wilson Creek, you're maybe not at the same elevation you are here. You're a little lower at times, so it's a little warmer, a little muggier. And then when you're just out, like, climbing those gravel roads in the summertime, man, you're just getting baked. So if I can get in the woods, get in the canopy, you know, run along the creek a little bit or something, I'm always going to enjoy that. Yeah, way, way, way better options. Always choose trail over road. Well, speaking of hot and muggy, what do you got in the weather for us in this coming week? Man, so obviously this past week's been a little rainy, but uh, you know, going into the weekend, we've got some possible rain showers. It's kind of just what we've had the past couple of days or the past couple of weeks. But the week following looks really excellent. It's going to be dry. It's going to be pretty comfortable midweek, and then it's going to warm up towards the end of the week, you know, low 80s, upper 70s low humidity so i would say next week's going to be pretty prime time for riding all the trails man that's very welcome after this past week's rain i think it's a good time to stop before things get super saturated and muddy yeah for real well guys that's a wrap on this week's episode and as always you can find us on social media just search pisgah podcast and we've got shirts for sale with five bucks going to pisgah area sorba just hit up pisgah podcast bigcartel.com If you've ever bottomed out your pedals in a good old-fashioned Pisgah ditch, then go ahead and hit subscribe, share with your friends, rate, do whatever. I don't know if it's bad rate material. I'm still, I'm still waiting for that one-star review. Well, you know, it's the Cat Williams thing. If, if somebody's not talking shit.